0: So we're uh, going through the book of Genesis, and as I was going going through the book of Genesis, when you come to Abraham, and you're going to look at him, and his name is Abram, and Sarah, I, or she's not Sarah yet, Abraham, Abram gets his name to change, Abraham. But when you think about it, Abraham is a significant person in world religion. Did you know that the majority of the population of the world, the three major religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, all look to Abraham as their father? They all do. (laughs) So he is their father of faith. And we're going to look this weekend at the call of Abraham, that God calls Abraham. And the question is, what do you do when God calls you? Because God basically said to Abraham, get up and get out. Get up and get out, Abraham. I've got a plan for you. And uh, somebody had said, and I think it's true, that the gospel is one or two generations away from extinction. And I think that's absolutely true. Uh, But we're going to see, the the other thing we're going to see as we read through this passage is we're going to see that Some of you may think, well, you know, God may call Abraham, but I'm no Abraham. I'm just a, I'm kind of a little rough on the edges. I'm not really. I don't have my act all together. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not. I don't know the Bible very well, and I just want you to know that God doesn't call perfect people. And when we look at the life of Abraham, you'll see he wasn't a perfect person, and God didn't choose him because he was a good person. All right. In fact, you're going to see that he was morally... And this is what God does. God uses people who are imperfect, broken, inadequate, and morally challenged. Because then he gets the glory when good things happen. So we're going to start reading Genesis 11. I want to pick up the context so you can see what's going on here because it's pretty significant. Genesis eleven twenty-seven. 27. It's on page 10 of the Chair Bible. And then I'm going to read through the first nine verses of chapter 12. So Genesis eleven twenty-seven. 27. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in the Ur of the Chaldeans the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife is Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife is Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarai, and his nephew, Abraham's wife, and his grandson, Lot, uh, his, the, his son, uh, Haran's child, and moved away from the Ur of the Chaldeans. He headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died while still in Haran. And we jump to chapter 12, and I would encourage you that if you can, you should underline and highlight at least the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. It is by far one of the most important passages in all of the Bible. And I don't say that lightly. I say that absolutely with confidence. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation... I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed, as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was uh, 75 years old when he left Haran, and he took his wife Sarai, his, his nephew Lot, and all of his wealth, his livestock, and all the people that he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan when they arrived in Canaan Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem and then he set up a camp beside the oak at Morah at that time the area was inhabited by Canaanites then the Lord appeared to Abram and said I will give this land to your descendants and Abraham or Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up a camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built an altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Now there's a problem here. There's an impending problem here, and that's why I began to read chapter 11. As we read through Genesis 1 through 11, we see that there's this, This problem that God creates a perfect environment and then immediately sin falls in. We see the flood and then Noah basically has got a new start, but things go wrong very quickly. The point is human history is coming to a spiritual dead end. And so as we move through Genesis 1.11, we see uh, that things are going bad quickly. In Genesis 4.25, we see Seth. He's a godly son of a single family tree. And Seth called on the name of the Lord. Genesis 4.26 says this, When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. So there was a knowledge of the true God going on at this time. And it was being passed on and preserved by the line, the family of Seth. Okay. Now when we come to Terah and his people, we see that his name points to the moon God. So the, so what he's saying, and this is a descendant of Seth. So what we see is this family now once was worshipping God, but now is worshipping the moon. Joshua gives a commentary on that. Now Joshua is a later book, and it, it looks back to the book of Genesis, and it says this, Joshua 24.2. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. So there's a spiritual problem. The spiritual ember, the spiritual spark, the fire, is going out. And it is in danger of being lost. There's another problem, and that's why we read this uh, passage in 11, is Sarah is barren. The the family of promise is barren. The last family knowing God is in danger of ending physically and spiritually. So the question is, what is God going to do? What is God going to do? How is he going to keep the spark, the ember, going? There's no foreseeable future for the spiritual hope of the human race. But see, here's the thing. God always has a plan. God always has a way of working his will out. It's perfect will out. And that's where we see the gracious call of God. God speaks to Abram and hope begins again. That's why Genesis 1, 12, 1 through 3 is so important because God speaks to Abram and he, and he basically says hope is, is alive. Hope is, is, I'm going to kindle that ember. I'm going to kindle that flame. Now, Abram was in a good family, but apart from God, he was spiritually dead. And here's the point. God calls, and not just Abram, but God calls us out to live, to life. God calls us out to life, okay? God, God's call is powerful and it's gracious. Now, I want to, I want to uh, and you don't know this yet, but you'll see this as we study Abram and Abraham. Um, Abraham doesn't get the call because he's a particularly moral or good guy. In fact, you're going to see him making compromises. He's going to say uh, when he's in a foreign kingdom, he's going to say, tell everybody you're my sister because I'm afraid they'll kill me. You know, I mean, he, he does all sorts of, 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 of he's there's some morally uh, questionable and sketchy things that he does. But God's call isn't based upon his goodness or his worthiness. It's solely based on grace and that's good news, I think, for everyone in this room, that you don't have to be good enough to receive the grace of God. In fact, knowing that you're not good enough is the pathway to receive his grace. Because if you think you're good enough, if you think you don't need help, then you don't need God's grace. But if you say, I'm, I'm a mess, I'm, I'm in trouble, I need help. When we do that, then God says, I have grace for that. So let's talk quickly about the call of God. There's a few things I want to point out about it. The first one, it's a personal call. The King James Version says this, Get thee out. Get thee out. Get out. <laughs> now, if you look at chapter 11, verse 31, it says that the family, the family that they were traveling in, the caravan that they were traveling in stopped at uh, you know at Haran So the family felt like well, this is fine. Let's just stop here And uh, maybe Abraham thought well halfway is not bad enough uh, or not too bad uh, um, I can't really get them to go any further and but but God says no, 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 you're not stopping here You're going you're going to the land of Canaan You're going to the promise this this promised land that I'm going to give you and Abraham heard God's call The question is now what is he going to do? Because he says, I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave your land and leave everything and go to a place that I will show you. And God is saying, Abram, I'm calling you. You must obey me. And um, this is really important for, for us to stop just for a minute. God calls us individually. He doesn't call you as a family. Have you noticed that? Uh, It may be that God has only called you. You're the only one he's called so far. In other words, He's the gospel has become real in your life. And he's spoken to your heart. And you know he's spoken to your heart. But there's people in your family, he hasn't done that. And I just want to say to you parents, um, this is so important. Unless every one of your kids hears the call of God and embraces this call, they will worship idols. Now, what do I mean by that? I see parents all the time that are so, they're so dedicated to raising good, moral children, educated, uh, polite, maybe good at sports or music. They they want them to get a good education. They want them to be responsible people. That's all good and that's well and that's important. But I also see sometimes that these parents overlook probably the most important thing that they could ever do is do my children have a heart for god do my children know the savior of the world do they know the creator of the world do they call him father is it their faith and not my faith because think about this this affects everything in your life your spiritual Faith in God and your your belief system in God affects every decision. It affects you morally. It affects you ethically. It affects you in your course of your life and how you live your life. It, it affects every part of your life. And yet parents are, are so you know I want them to be good at this and I want them to be successful here and I want and as long but here's the thing. One day they're going to die. We all are and if they don't know Jesus doesn't matter how good of a life they lived doesn't matter how moral they of a life they doesn't matter how successful they were doesn't matter whether they could play an instrument or sing like a like an angel it doesn't matter whether they were a world class athlete it doesn't matter if they don't know the lord they're lost and and here's the other part of it is if if they don't know who to worship they'll worship anything for instance They'll worship their careers. They'll worship recognition. They'll worship materialism. They'll worship family. Those are Nothing's wrong with having a career. A career is a good thing. But for some men, it's everything. It's the only thing. It's the thing. And when they get fired or they lose their job or their career goes down, they go, who am I? What am I doing? What's my life all about? Or mothers, you you you, you, you throw yourselves into raising your children. Good thing, family's a good thing. But then your family grows up and they go off, and then we're a mobile society. They move away and you don't see them anymore. Hey, what's my life all about now? They're gone. What's life? So when God calls Abram, he says I'm calling you to do this. And God doesn't call his children. He calls Abraham. And God is calling you. And if you're a child, a young person here, you know, it's great if your parents know the Lord. The question is, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Maybe you're a child or a young person and you know the Lord and your parents though don't know the Lord. The question is, have you personally answered God's gracious call in your life? Because we all have to do that. We all have to to determine whether we're going to follow him or not, whether he's going to be God or not in our lives. So that's the first thing. It's a personal call. Secondly, it's a blind call. It's a blind call. He says, get out of your country, away from your people and your land, to a place that I will show you. Now, most people, I mean, I'm kind of one of those people. Maybe you're not, but I am. Some people want, I want God to kind of document his call. Okay, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Is there a map? Is there a layout? Is there a blueprint? How long am I going to be there? What much is it going to cost? Got to know all of those. I'll tell you what. Get me a, a, a little portfolio with all the, the plan in there. I'll consider it prayerfully. And then I'll get back to you, God, about whether it fits into my life. Right? And, and some, some of us are like that. But, you know, don't you see that if God shows you everything beforehand, you're not giving up your will to Him? Can you imagine going into basic training? Now, I've never been in basic training, but some of you have. I've seen depictions of it in movies and stuff. But can you imagine if you are in the first day of basic training and the sergeant, the drill sergeant basically says to you, you're all standing out there, and he says, I want you to run five miles with full gear in the rain or in the heat. And you go, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me today. It's it's a little wet or it's a little hot. And, you know, it, maybe if I had some gym equipment on, I could run a couple miles. But five is a long way, Sarge. And he would say, give me 20. No, that's too many. I think I could do 10. Give me 40. No, no, no. You're going the wrong way. And What are they doing there? What's the sergeant doing there? What he's trying to do is break your will. He's trying to say, you need to follow orders. You need to follow me. You need to be able to follow orders so that when somebody gives you an order on the battlefield, you don't think about it and question it and consider it. You just do it. You give your will up. God does... A lot of this to Abram. The first thing he says is leave your family. Leave all that's familiar. Leave your land. And go to a place. And Abraham says, where? And he says, I'll show you, right? And then he says to, and we'll see this down the road. He says to Abraham, he says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. I'm going to give you a son. And, uh, He's going to be the son of promise. And Abraham says, when? And by the way, as we read through this, he's going to say, when, 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 when? Because the promise is there. He says, Essentially, in Genesis 3, the passage we read, he says, you're going to have more, more children, more descendants than you can count. You won't be able to count them. And Abraham says, okay, uh, don't have one yet. When's that one coming kind of need that first son to make things kind of roll along here It's not happening and they're you know, they're literally in their 99 They're still waiting for a son And so god says i'm going to give you a son. In fact, i'm going to give you mil You know, I'm going to give you millions of descendants And he goes when and god says i'll show you when And then he finally gets his son And god says I want you to take the son and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And say, Abraham says, why? He says, I'll show you why. <laughs> you see, Abraham left not knowing where he was headed. Are you willing to answer God's active blind call in your life? See, God is saying to you, he may be saying to you right now, you know what you need to do, you know what I've called you to do, now go do it. And you say, well, I don't have a blueprint. I don't have a plan. And God says, I'm not going to, I'll show you one. You need to know it. I'll show you. The third thing is, it's an active call. He says, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. See, the call of, the call of God changes how we operate. Um, we're born, most of us. I know there are a few exceptions out there. But uh, we're born fairly selfish. We tend to look out for our, our own needs first. And then if we have extra time and we're feen, feeling generous, we may help someone else out. But we're generally looking out for number one. That's the way we're, we're kind of born. But when God calls us, He calls us to a whole new perception of who we are and what we're to do. God says, I wanna, I'm going to bless you. But he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. In other words, you're going to be uh, kind of a, a, a portal of my blessing. You, my, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. Have you ever considered that God has given you what he's given you, whether it's your family, your job, your res- whatever your resources are, not for you to spend it all on you? Maybe God has blessed you and is blessing you so that you can bless others. And and that's what God is saying. And, And He's saying to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. In fact, you are going to be a blessing to all the nations, all the people of the world. So instead of saying... What can I do with all those resources for myself? We say, what can I do with all the resources that God has given me to bless others, to bless God, to further His kingdom? See, God calls us and saves us to bless others. The Gospel is about God blessing you, but it's also about God using you to bless others. And here's what I found personally, maybe some of you have found it, that when I go and I bless other people, I'm blessed. I get the blessing. You, you, I, I, I guarantee you, you could talk to the team that just arrived back from Nicaragua. You can sit down and talk to them and say, How did it work? Was it a, were you a blessing to others? Just ask them, Were you a blessing to others? And they would probably say, Yeah, I, I hope so. But I'll tell you what, they were a blessing to me. I was blessed. God says, Abraham, I'm going to use you to bless others. So when we fully embrace the gospel, we're so blessed that we desire to bless others. But here's here's, here's the rub we, we come into. If we're going to be a blessing to other people, that means sometimes we're going to have to come out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to leave what's familiar. We're going to have to make a sacrifice. We're going to have to do something maybe we've never done before. We're going to have to take a risk. And uh, some of us are... <laughs> You may be an introvert and you know who you are, but you say, but that's, that's, that's hard. That's dangerous. That's, I I don't know what to expect. Absolutely correct. But sometimes God takes you out of your comfort zone. He calls you out of your comfort zone, out of your familiar life, out of your safe surroundings to bless others. You may need to walk across the room. You may need to get out of, uh, go out of your way and sacrifice your resources to really bless others. He says to Abraham, Abraham, I know you're comfortable here and I know you know it. It's, it's, you see, it fits like a glove. This, this, this community and the people all around it fits like a glove. Take the glove off and go to a place that I'll show you and then you're really going to be a blessing. Can you do that? Can you risk that for God? you know maybe one of the reasons we 're not seeing the blessings of God and we 're not feeling like God is blessing us is because we 're our own we 're in our own familiar place and we 're not willing to step out and take a risk for God. I believe that to the degree that you 're willing to get out you will, you will experience the grace and power and presence of God and that makes a lot of sense doesn 't it when you basically uh, Decide i'm going to take a risk and i'm going to bless other people and i'm going to tr- begin to serve other people and i'm going to go out of my comfort zone i'm going to walk across the room i may share the gospel i may uh, take a meal i may. i mean there's a, there's, a whole, there's hundreds and thousands of ways that we can do that but the moment we do that we we realize i'm vulnerable I need help. I need God's help. I, I feel uncomfortable here. Not, and and, and if we, as we take that step, God answers the call and we go, oh boy, here we go. God empowered me to do that. What a, what a blessing. God said, Abraham, get out and then you will be a blessing. Abraham left, but he never arrived. Did you notice that? Abraham left. He came to the land, but he never arrived. God said a few things to Abraham. He says, number one, you're going to have more children than you can count, more than the stars of the sky, more than the sands of the seashore. You're going to have more children than you can count, more descendants than you can count. He never saw that. He says, you're going to have this land. This land is going to be yours. He never saw that land occupied. Never saw it. There was a third third thing he said. He said, um all the all the all the nations of the world will will be blessed through you all the people of the world will be blessed through you never saw it he never saw it now we see we see it we see it because we see that that fire had didn't go out because of Abraham that God re, renewed that fire that ember and it began to burn brighter and we see that that crimson theme going through the old testament till we we see it in the prophets we see it in the new testament where john says behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world we see it in jesus who lived the perfect life lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died and how we all the nations of the world have been blessed because of a descendant of abraham and his name is jesus and he took away our sins and he gave us his righteousness. So we have been blessed. Abraham never saw that blessing. But the promise, the ember of promise never went out. And now I've been watching lately um, these survival shows. I can't get, I can't stop watching them. And uh, there's one show particularly, uh, it, I think it's called Alone. And they have 10 guys and they just put them somewhere in a, in a it's a beautiful place in Canada. Now, I'm going to say what I really think It's ungodly. It's just, it's harsh. It's wet. It's, there's wild animals all over. And they have them separated. There's no community. And the, basically, the premise of the show is the last one standing wins half a million dollars. And they're trying to light a fire, and they can't light a fire. And it's just, <clears throat> but fire is so critical because fire keeps you warm, dries your clothes out. It gives, there's something about having a fire that makes you feel like it's going to be okay. Fire purifies things. When there's things that need to be purified or cooked, you can cook it on a fire. They can't make a fire because everything, they take the wood and they crack it and it, it doesn't crack. It just pours water out. It's just, so they finally get, this one guy finally got a fire going in. he realized that this could go out and he may have to move the camp. So he, he comes up with, and they have this, where the, he, he took a, a little tin, the metal tin, and he put, some type of uh foliage in there that was kind of dry and he put it on the fire and created charcoal and so that he could just hit it and make an ember and then he would carry the ember around and they would they carry the ember around so they'd actually have a way to sp- start a fire right away they you know right away they'd be able to do it and so he had but but the the he had to have a way of carrying this ember around because if it went out it meant I'm in trouble. You're going to need this fire. And Genesis 1 through 11, we come to the last part of chapter 11, and essentially what, what the writer of the book of Genesis is saying is the ember of the fire almost went out. But then God comes in in Genesis chapter 12, and he says, it hasn't gone out. There's this guy, Abram. And he's going to leave his family. He's going to leave his friends. He's going to leave all that's familiar with him. And He's not a perfect person. He's not, generally, he's got real challenges. But I'm going to use him to carry the ember of the gospel. And the gospel is going to be carried through his descendants, through the years, through the seeds, so until it comes to Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, he's blazing. The ember is blazing, blazing. The ember is alive today. The call of God is alive today. You're proof of it. I'm proof of it. That God is alive. That the Gospel is alive. That Jesus is alive. The ember is alive today. And here's the thing. God said to Abraham, you need to leave your house and go to a place that I'll show you. Jesus left His Father's house. He left His home. He left His security for us. He went into an unknown into the unknown for us. He lost his father, His words in John, Matthew 27:46, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" The answer is, He was forsaken so that we wouldn't be. He gave it all up so that we could have it. He gave his life so that we could live. He paid the price so that we could be forgiven. So the question is. Have you found the blessing of Abraham? Have you found Jesus? Has God's call come to your life? And have how have you responded to it? Are you responding, Well, well, someday I should. Or I don't know what I think about all this. I just want to say to you, the only hope that you have beyond the grave is when the call of God comes to you. You say, "Not, I deserve it. I've earned it. I'm trying my best. I'm doing." No, no, no. You 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 come to him and say, "Help. I need your help so bad." And when you cry out to him for help, his grace comes in. Have you done that? Have you said, "I'm, bu- um, this is, I'm, I'm not." You may say, "Well, I'm not a very good person. I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm, I've got issues." Absolutely. So did Abraham. the call doesn't depend upon how good you are. It depends on God's grace. God's grace comes to people who are broken and hurting and immorally challenged and not there and haven't arrived. And they know it and they say, I need help. And as a little child says sometimes to their mom, Mom, I need help. the mom says, okay, dear, I'll help you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, God, I need you, I need your help, I need Jesus? Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those of you that have the ember, it's not for us to keep to ourselves. It's to share it. I don't know how or why God chooses to do that. But God says, I want you to take the ember that you have and I want you to bring it to other people's because then it will light their lives up and will light their families up and it will change everything forever. May God help us to be part of that effort, taking the promise to a new generation. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. So, Father, just uh, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the encouragement we get from it. And thank You that the ember of the Gospel has not gone out it is alive and well today it may be that there are some here today that have heard your call and they haven't yet responded i pray today would be the day that they would call out to jesus and say jesus would you come into my life and save me from my sin and i thank you father that when they do that you will and they will be forgiven and they will find life eternal for those of us father who have been forgiven who have responded to the call May we be, maybe we've become too comfortable with our surroundings and we haven't taken the ember to those who are living in darkness and fear and frustration. May we take the gospel ember with us, the hope of the gospel with us, uh, so that they can hear the gospel and respond to the call of God in their lives. Use us, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen we <music>